John chapter 8 and verse 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Amen. A preacher once told a story of he spent a a vacation some years ago on the premises of a sheep herder. And his host, the shepherd, met him courteously at the station. But on the long drive to the ranch, he seemed strangely disinclined to talk. There seemed to be something heavy on his heart. Pressed for the reason of his silence, the old shepherd had wept as though his own children had been snatched from him. I lost 65 of my best lambs last night. Wolves got in. The sympathetic pastor expressed his own grief over this, this great loss of his friends. And how many sheep did they kill besides that? The shepherd looked surprised. Don't you know that a wolf never takes an old sheep so long as he can get a lamb? A wolf never takes an old sheep as long as he can get a lamb. He goes for the easy prey. And uh, we know that the devil is a wolf. And the devil really doesn't care what his prey is, but when he has access to the lambs, he loves to take down those lambs. Today we're witnessing an all-out war being waged against humanity in general, but particularly against the children. We saw in this verse, the devil is both a murderer and he's a liar. He hates all mankind and is intent on destroying as many as he can. If you're human, the devil hates you. He wants you dead just because you're human. You're created in the image of God. But he takes particular pleasure in destroying children. And we'll see that as we go through. And you can see the philosophy of Satan has permeated throughout the world today to the point where he's convinced many that children are not a blessing to be desired. And children are a blessing. They're a heritage of the Lord and they're his reward. That's what the scriptures say. But, but now people think children are a burden to be eradicated. They're seen as consumers who are destroying the planet. That's how evil children are. They're wrecking planet Earth. And so you see this, this um, mentality. This is from a news article. Uh, climate apocalypse fears are stopping people having children. People worried about the climate crisis are deciding not to have children because of fears that their offspring would have to struggle through a climate apocalypse, according to a study. So they're not having children. One 27-year-old woman said, I feel like I can't in good conscience bring a child into this world and force them to try and survive what may be apocalyptic conditions. Sounds like someone's been watching the ABC too much. But that's, they've imbibed this stuff and they hate children. They don't want children to be born. And uh, they say children produce a lifetime of carbon emissions. They hate carbon. And um, they contribute to the climate emergency. A 31-year-old woman said, climate change is a sole factor for me in deciding not to have biological children. I don't want to birth children into a dying world, though I dearly want to be a mother. See, there's that, that innate desire of a woman to be a mother, but it's been overridden by the sat- satanic philosophy to suppress that and say, no, you know, suppress that desire to, to be a mother and choose to be barren. Large families are frowned upon. I mean, a, a large family today is like four or five kids. You know, 100 years ago, that was a small family. And so they, they think, that's weird. Why are you having so many? What about if you have 10 kids? I'm sure you get some strange looks, don't you? Or comments. What's wrong with you? Now, that's... We should have as many children as we can. They're a blessing from God. Life. Because these people, they, they see children as a burden that ought to be sent to childcare as soon as possible. 
within months, not even years. A woman has a child, send them off to someone else to, to raise them up, to look after them while they further their career. An interruption to their career. And so birth rates in the West, actually not just in the West, but um, Asian countries as well, um, South America, have dropped so that nations cannot maintain population. Um, In fact, half the world's population live in countries where the birth rate is below replacement level, which is said to be 2.1 births per female. Fallen below 2.1. In 2019, Australia's birth rate, that's the total fertility rate, fell to a low of 1.66 babies per female. That's below replacement level. Your population will decrease at that level. That's why they're bringing in immigrants from um, third world countries that they have high birth rates. But you bring problems with that. And so you see this this assault on on children. You don't have children, they're bad. And so we understand that Satan hates all the children in the world. He hates them. But the ones he delights supremely in devouring are the children of the saints. They're the ones he he loves to get the most. And he does get quite a few. And so this is a war. It's a battle. It's a great battle between Satan and between God between his children and between God's children's, God's children. And it's a fight we must win because eternal souls depend upon it. So the first point we'll look at is the several distinctives of children. What's, think about the nature of childhood. Let's lay some foundation. What is it that makes children different from adults? We can think about the immaturity of children. Children are easily influenced and instructed. They receive that teaching and and they imbibe it, and it shapes them. And so, but they're easily influenced, this direction or that direction. That's why in Ephesians 4, verse 14, he says that we henceforth be no more children. He's talking in a spiritual sense, but he's using the analogy. Uh, No more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine or teaching by the slight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. So he's saying that children are easily influenced, And if someone comes with this teaching, they're easily led to that teaching. And, you know, that can be a good thing. You know, we can influence them for good because they they will receive that. But, But it's also true negatively. Children think and understand simplistically on a basic level. Now, that's why in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20, Paul says, Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children, be simple about malice, but in understanding be men, be grown-ups. Don't be children in understanding. Don't have a simplistic understanding of just a, a, a surface understanding. You know, there's a lot of uh, naivety in children. They're naive about things in the world. And again, that's not a bad thing. It's just a fact. We all start out our development in this way, naive and simplistic about things, and, and then we grow into a deeper knowledge of things. But it's important we understand this in, in what the devil's doing to them. Uh, children lack the discernment of adults. They lack that judgment and the ability to, to choose. First Corinthians 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. See, there's a childish form of speech. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. There's a way a child thinks, a way a child understands and, and, um, and, and speaks and, and all those things. And, and so there's a childish way of, of thinking and understanding. They lack that discernment. And so uh, really all of us, um, often we don't think of the consequences when temptation comes. And so that's why we sin. But especially children, that's especially true of children. They don't think this will happen if I do this. And that there's biological reasons for that. The prefrontal cortex, that's the part of the brain. The rational part of the brain where judgment is exercised, where consequences are considered and impulsive behaviour is curbed, is not fully developed until the age of about 25. It's the last part of the brain to develop. And this is the part that says, 
look, there's consequences for this action. This is why adolescents do crazy things. Anyone know know about that? Yeah. (laughs) And that's true of all of us. Because that part of our brain, we think, you know, if I do this, this is going to happen. No, I won't do it. It's not fully developed. It's important we understand that when we're dealing with children. They don't have that capacity yet. And children, you need to understand that. You don't have that capacity. You need to hearken to your parents when they say, no, this is the course. If you make this choice, this is what's going to happen. You need that wisdom. All right. And so we see that immaturity of children. But childhood is a time of potential. You think of the potential of children. Childhood is a time where the opportunities and possibilities of life are wide open. The, the world is at your feet, as, as they say. You know, you, have, you can take this course, you can take this course, and, and so many options, opportunities, and, and it's all there. It's all before you. And, but as we age, those doors begin to close, and the course in life becomes more fixed, right? You don't have so many options as you get older. And, uh, and that's so true spiritually as well, not just in terms of your career and what you do with your life, what uh, course you take, but spiritually, this is a, a key thing. Think of what potential for good a 10-year-old who yields his life to Christ has. Whole life to live for God, but compare that to a 60-year-old who comes to, to salvation at a later age. God will still use them can still use them mightily but that the opportunity so much less so much less um, Benjamin Keach put it this way God prizes more the blossoms of youth than the sheddings of old age so we think of, of childhood as a time of potential opportunity possibilities that adults really they lose as they get older but then we think about the sin of children. And this is how we understand spiritually the, the nature and the heart of children. Children are born with a sin nature inherited from Adam. In fact, according to Psalm 51 verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me before birth. From the moment of conception, sin is in that child. And so because we, we inherit it from our father, Adam, that original sin, as it's called, that sin nature. And so our hearts are by nature wicked. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's true of adults, but it's true of children. They share that same wicked heart. And it's from the heart all those sins come from, Matthew fifteen seventeen to 20. And the child's heart, according to uh, Proverbs 22.15, is bound with foolishness. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. And so that foolishness, it's there. It doesn't have to be taught, trained into them. That sin doesn't have to be uh, taught to them. They, They know how to lie. It just comes naturally because it is part of their nature, part of our nature. So you see this, this is what we're dealing with. Uh, children, they enter this world uh, with this nature, the, with all this potential, but also with all this sin. And the devil understands these things about children and he's, he's using those things. So there's this, uh, the, uh, the uh, several distinctives of children. We'll look secondly at the satanic devices against children. Satan seeks to kill children in their youth. He, he wants them dead. Now, the heathen nations, they sacrifice infants to their demonic deities, such as Molech. And you read the Old Testament, you read about the warnings that God gave to the children of Israel. Now, I'll give you a few scriptures. Leviticus 18.21, Thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou... Uh, Shalt thou profane the name of thy God, I am the Lord. Don't let him pass through the fire to Molech, the God of the, the heathens. In Deuteronomy 18, verse 10, 
Um, there shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or that useth divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer for all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord and because of these abominations the Lord thy God doth drive them out before thee that's the Canaanites and so he says, you don't let any of you pa- let your children pass through the fire. In Second uh, Chronicles 33 verse 6, despite all those warnings, the children of Israel did that, sacrificing children to Molech, even kings, King Manasseh. In Second Chronicles 33 verse 6, and he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. All right. What does it mean to pass through the fire? So Moloch, Moloch was a, a god. They, ha, they have this image. It's a hollow uh, metallic image. And it would have this, his hands like this. They'd set the fire going. The whole thing would become red hot. They'd place the infant in the, the, the hands of this god, this idol, and it would burn up the child. And that was passing through the fire. It's inhuman, unthinkable. Psalm 106, verse 37, Yet, yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with, with blood. Sacrificing their sons and daughters, not just to idols, but to devils. Jeremiah also speaks about this. Um, Jeremiah 7, verse 31, They have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my heart. All right, the, the valley of the son of Hinnom, causing their sons and daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech, Jeremiah 32, verse 35. So you think, well, that's barbaric. Well, isn't it great we've gone beyond those barbaric times and now we're in the modern age and nothing like that would happen it's happening on a scale worse than those former times far worse modern science has made this child sacrifice efficient through the abortion procedure they don't even have to wait until the child is born before they kill them and sacrifice them to their gods they can now kill them in the the womb of the mother and they're doing it on an industrial scale It's the work of Satan. He wants to kill every child. You think about the examples of Pharaoh, who was uh, inspired by Satan, sought to slaughter the, all the Hebrew boys, and Herod, who saw this king of the Jews' arrival to his authority, commanded that all the children in that Bethlehem region uh, had to be put to death. The slaughter of the innocents killed all the, these, these children from two years old and under. Who was responsible for that, Herod? No, it was Satan. You read Revelation uh, chapter 12. He was that dragon waiting for the, the birth of the man-child to devour that, that baby. And so he wants to kill children. Satan, after having gained permission, God's permission, immediately killed all of Job's children. Remember that, Job chapter 1? And uh, that hedge was removed and Satan had access to, to Job's goods, but also his children, killed every one of them. Killed them in one day, one moment. That's what Satan wants to do, kill our children. But he desires, and if, if there was something worse than that, he desires to pollute, pollute the hearts of children to raise up subjects for his kingdom. Worse than killing an infant whose soul then goes to heaven, worse than that is the corrupting of the child who grows up to reject Christ and to go to hell for eternity. What could be worse than killing a baby, raising a baby for hell to burn there forever? See, the devil understands Proverbs 22 verse 6, and you know the verse, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. So the training a child receives, whether for good or evil, will generally set the course of adulthood. So it's true for good if we train a child up in the way he should go. 
to know God, to love the Lord. You know, when he's old, he'll not depart from it, but it's true for evil as well. The devil knows this. Give him a child till the age of seven. It got him for life. That's what the Jesuits said, who were tools of Satan as well. And so the young tender branches of the sapling become firm and fixed in their position as they grow. And that uh, while they're young, they're moldable. You can train it whatever course you want them to take, but they soon become hardened in in that direction they grow in. Satan is using the education system to indoctrinate children from a very young age, from even preschool age, teaching them to hate God, to reject God, that they're nothing more than a cosmic accident evolved from lower life forms. There's no accountability to God. Live as you please. There's no moral law. All these things. And so he's polluting their hearts and minds, raising up subjects for his kingdom. Satan seeks to strip children of their innocence and purity. You see, by destroying the biblical pattern of marriage and family, Satan has exposed many children to perversion and abuse. To the point where now sodomites can legally have access to children to train them up in their perversity. And this is only a recent thing. I mean, previously, no, even governments would understand, no, that's not an appropriate environment for a child. It's It's not appropriate. Back in 2010, the ABC ran a sympathetic story of two sodomites in North Queensland and the struggle they had to get their hands on a baby. All the loopholes, all the loops, all the hoops they had to jump through and and it was very difficult for them to get their hands on a, a baby. They eventually did succeed in getting themselves a baby boy through a surrogate in Russia. And the ABC presented this abomination as a picture of normality, two loving dads with a baby of their own. Within two years, those sodomites were arrested for child abuse, having bought the baby for $8,000 from a Russian woman that had been committing the most unspeakable acts upon the child from the beginning. Here's the ABC. Look at this portrait of normality. And one of them got 30 years, one of them got 40 years. Satan devouring our children. Popular music, television, video games, most of it is antichrist. It's of the world. It's against God. You find witchcraft now is promoted as favourable. You know, back in the old days, in the children's stories, they had witches, but usually they were evil. They were the villains. You know, Hansel and Gretel, they, they actually kill that witch, that evil witch who wanted to devour them I'm not promoting fairy tales but that's how it used to be but something happened in the the 20th century where the witches suddenly became good they they were favorable and and uh, and so you had shows like bewitched a good a white witch and then you had of course Harry Potter Harry Potter the best-selling book and you know the author J.K. Rowling she researched actual witchcraft, how they did things, the spells, and all the, went into all that dark stuff and brought it into the, the books to make it as realistic and as factual as possible, but to promote it as good. It's good to be a witch or a wizard. We all want to be like Harry Potter now, a witch. What does God say about witchcraft? Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Don't allow a witch to live. Kill them. Capital punishment. What does the world say? Witches are great. You want to do what witches do. You find the fatherhood is mocked in children's programs. You heard of Peppa Pig? Peppa Pig? You know, harmless kids show. But one of the the sayings of Peppa Pig is, oh, silly daddy, because the dad's a, a buffoon, says silly things, does silly things. Oh, silly daddy. What's it implanting in the child's mind? Oh, dads are silly. You know, dads make silly decisions and need, need the, the wife or need the children to set him right. What do the kids start saying? Oh, silly daddy. Violating the, 
the commandments to honour father and mother, people like Homer Simpson, just they you look at all of them, they make the father look like an idiot, a fool, someone to be mocked and not to be obeyed. You think there's a show called Modern Family. Modern Family, you've got sodomites raising children and all manner of wickedness. Modern Family. The games promoted for children and uh, that children play like Minecraft pr- promote occultic themes such as potions, enchanting, the netherworld, uh, zombies, all these things. It's occultic. There's demonic stuff involved. There's a game called uh, Roblox. You know, a lot of it's probably harmless. But what it is, it's a lot of these games, they're, they're multiplayer. So you play online. And so you're opening up and you're getting involved with all these other players. You don't know if, if they're children or pedophiles, pretending to be kids. The, uh, in Roblox, 37 million people use the gaming platform every day. And uh, I read a news article. It said, uh, and for teenagers exploring their gender identity, Roblox is also a place of liberation. And there's a story about this boy and he, he got onto Roblox and he started, he, he wanted to be a girl, so he made himself a girl on Roblox, started getting on the forums and finding, you know, finding people who, to affirm the, the, this idea he wants to be a girl. Eventually he turns himself into a girl and Roblox was an instrument in that. You know, because these things are, are trying to influence kids into depravity. Popular music in its lyrics and its rock rhythms promotes rebellion and immorality. The whole philosophy of rock music is rebellion. It's the heart of it. Immorality. And, uh, and it's promoted to children. It's just depraved. And the, the level of depravity, it's not even... It's not even hidden now. It's just open. Sodomy, just you name it. And the kids are just taking all this in. The devil's behind it. Uh, pornography is being viewed by children at increasing rates. Nearly half of children between the ages of 9 and 16 experience regular exposure to sexual images, perverting their minds. Alcohol and drugs are destroying children's minds and opening them to demonic influence. The devil wants, you know, so they get diagnosed with some condition. ADHD. Doctor says, we've got a drug for it. Uh, Ritalin or whatever it is. This is what parents are saying. Parents claim that Ritalin has turned their youngsters into monsters or zombies, claiming it is used like a chemical kosh to make hyperactive children docile, leaving them staring into space and dreamy, turning, in, turning these kids into zombies, pumping them full of drugs because they're a bit hyperactive. And, you know, it's not just doing that. It's, it's bringing down the walls and, and bringing down inhibitions, the things that those, the, the guards, the, the doors that might otherwise keep the devil out and bringing in these things, opening the doors to to all these things. The devil is using drugs and other things like that. Sodomites and other deviants are being given access to children. Again, you know, years ago, a man dressing like a woman weren't allowed near children. There's something wrong with that. No, that's, we don't let that sort of person near children. Nowadays, they have drag queen story time where they take children, this is like preschool children, into libraries for these you know, drag queens, transvestites to influence children. If you say anything against it, like um, Lyle Shelton, he's had years of, of lawfare, of going through tribunals and courts and fines and all these things. You can't speak against it now. And so you see what the, how much the devil is at work. Satan afflicts and abuses children for his pleasure. He gets pleasure out of it. You think of what he did to you, in the Gospels. You find even children being possessed by devils and what the, what the devil does to them. 
In Matthew 17, uh, there's a demoniac boy and the father is, he says, this is Matthew 17 from verse 14. He says, Lord, have mercy on my son for he is lunatic and sore vexed for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And here's this devil, he's got hold of a youngster, he's harming him, throwing him into fire, throwing him into, into water and, and threatening to drown him. There's a lot of self-harm going on today. The young people, they've got, they've got some mental issues, they start cutting themselves, burning themselves. That's the devil loves to do that. And, um, and so, the, the, but the Lord cast him out and he was cured from that. You find, you have a look in Acts chapter 16. Look at what the devil's doing here. Acts chapter 16 and verse 16. It came to pass. As we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by Sue, saying, the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Acts 16, verse 18. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out, of, he came out the same hour. Look at verse 19. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and they got all mad. Why were they mad? because this girl had been healed of this demon possession and they no longer could make money from her. She was their, their, their source of gain, making profit from a child. Children have become simply a, a tool to make money and to make pleasure for adults. There is actually a market for children in the world today. There's children being born with no birth certificates, no record of their birth, being sold for price to, for people to do whatever they want, whether it's to sacrifice them, put them to death, or to abuse them, you, you name it. And so children have become a commodity. They're selling children in the world. And uh, they, they use and abuse children for profit. They, for some people, children just become a a fashion accessory. You have sodomites who want to have children in there and so they, they want to appear normal. Hey, look, we're just a loving dad and a loving dad with a, a child. We're just a normal family. They want to appear normal. Children are, are not loved. They're not cherished. They're not treated as a blessing from God. They're treated as a tool to be used and abused. What's at the heart of it? Satan his satanic devices. And I could go on, I could talk about um, religion being used by Satan against children, even in Christian denominations. I'm talking about infant baptism. That's a tool of Satan. So a child, <clears throat> say in the Anglican system or the Lutheran system, a child is brought, sprinkled by the priest, pronounced born again, because that's what they say happens when a, a child is christened. You're born again. So when a child grows up, someone says, you know what, Jesus said, you must be born again. Oh, that happened when my parents sprinkled me. And so they're inoculated against the gospel. That's a tool of Satan. See how many ways he can get at children. All right, so the, we could go on and, and talk about all the different attacks, but we, we understand he's, he's attacking. What are we to do? We know he's attacking. What are we to do? What's the saint's defense against Satan, our, our defence of children. We'll look firstly at the duty of children. Here's a message for the children. Listen up. This is what, what you ought to do. You should be worried about uh, what Satan wants to do to you. What can you do? Don't wait until you are older to seek and to serve the Lord. Don't wait. Remember now thy creator in the days of of thy youth, when the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. If God is bringing you under conviction, don't say, I'll do it later. I'll seek the Lord later. I'll repent later. There may be no later. Children die. 
children can die. There may be no tomorrow for you. So seek the Lord today. Seek him while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. That's so vital. What, what else? Give yourself to prayer. Prayer isn't just for adults and grown-ups. Remember the boy Samuel. God heard his prayers. Speak, thy servant hears. Be like Samuel. Pray to God. He hears the prayers of, of the little ones. Make God's word your guide for life. Psalm 119 verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How, how can I have a clean path through life? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. That's the clean life. By taking heed to the word of God. A young man, a young woman, make it your guide. Honour and obey your parents. Honour and obey your parents. Ephesians 6 verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour thy father and thy mother. This is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee that thou mayest live long on the earth. Honour your parents. Honour your parents. You know, in Proverbs there's a repeated phrase, and I put the references there. I can't remember, you can count them. I think it was something like 23 times. My son, my son. We know son is generic, it means children. And there's these exhortations, I'll give you three from Proverbs. Proverbs 1 verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. My son, that's wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 23 verse 26. Actually, I'll just give you two. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. My son, give me thine heart. That's That's the desire of every parent that the children would give them not just outward obedience, but the heart, the heart. Do your parents have your heart? Guard against any spirit of rebellion or bitterness against your parents. You know, and this happens a lot, especially in Christian homes, when children see, oh, my cousins, my friends, they, they can do this, but why can't I? And see, often parents say the Lord brings something to light. There's something worldly or sinful in the home that, or in the child's life that has to be removed and the parent does the right thing and removes those things. But the children still have a desire for those things. It might be some form of entertainment. It might be some form of music. And then the child begins to resent the parents for taking away something they love. They become bitter. They become rebellious. They disobey. They start engaging in those forbidden things secretly without the parent's knowledge. And outwardly, the child appears obedient. They go to church with the family. They go through the motions. But inwardly, the child's heart is in the world's clutches. They're sitting down on the outside but standing up on the inside. Beware of that that bitter, rebellious heart You know, parents don't always get it right, but they're doing their best. They're doing their best. And it's the children's best interest at heart. So remember that, children. Your parents are doing it out of love. So there's the exhortation for children, the duty of children, but what about parents? And, you know, this is not just parents, grandparents, our relatives, uncles, aunts, you know, we have a, a duty. Anytime we get to influence those children, here's our duty. Love the children. Step one, love the children. Uh, the young women in Titus 2 verse 4 are to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. And we're all commanded to love the children. We're to uh, teach the children. Deuteronomy 6 lays that out. Those commands that God gave to Israel, he says, These words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, etc. He says, You teach them to your children. 
Are we teaching our children? Not just the three R's, but teaching them the commands of God. God's word. That's foundational. We're to train the children. Train up a child in what? The way he should go. That's the path of righteousness. We're to nurture the children. Ephesians 6 Verse 4, it follows that the command of children to honour the father and mother. And, the, and then ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's fathers, not just mums, dads. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Parents need to rule the children. First Timothy 3 talks about the, the church leaders need to rule their own house and that's that's not just church leaders every dad needs to rule his house but sad to say many homes are ruled by the children you know I saw one of our relatives and uh, the youngest child sitting at the table you know watching the on the tablet and then a piece of food she drops a piece of food on the floor Dad, pick it up. Dad comes along, picks it up. <laughs> Children ruling the home. I mean, that's, it's, it's, actually, it's not funny, it's sad, because what hope is there for that child? The child has no respect for the parents. The child will have no respect for God. We need to bring him to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Remember the little children that are brought to Jesus? Matthew nineteen thirteen. Then were brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. The master has no time for that. But Jesus said, suffer little children, permit the little children, or allow them, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them, and departed thence. Jesus wants the children brought unto him. Even when others say no, Jesus said, bring them. Forbid them not. Are we bringing the children unto Jesus? And really the key is, this is the key. It's not just um, telling them you need to do this, you need to not do this. They need a new heart. See, we talked about that sinful heart. None of this will have any lasting effect until they get a new heart, until they're born again. And so the only way they're going to be born again is by bringing them to the Saviour. We need to pray for them. Look at Matthew 15. Look at Matthew 15, verse 21. And this is again this, um, this Syrophoenician woman. We looked at this earlier. Um, in Matthew 15, verse 21... Then Jesus uh, went thence and departed under the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. So the daughter's got this devil, possessed her, vexing her. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. To dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now, you know, there's a couple of things there. You see the persistence of the woman. She was turned aside, uh, turned aside by the uh, disciples, turned aside by the Lord, but she persisted. There's, we need to have persistence when we come to God, praying for our children. Keep praying. Don't give up. But something else I notice in verse 25. Well, you see, previously she's praying in verse 22, my daughter, she's praying for her daughter, but... Look at verse 25. Lord, help, not my daughter. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And so if we're going to pray for our children, we need to pray for ourselves. 
Lord, help my children, but help me too. See, see the vitality of, of uh, prayer in the raising of children. We need to remove evil from the home. Remove evil from the home. Deuteronomy 7 verse 25. The graven images of their gods shall be ye burn with fire. Thou shalt not desire the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it unto thee, lest thou be snared therein. For it is an abomination to the Lord thy God. Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thine house, lest thou be, lest thou be a cursed thing like it. But thou shalt utterly detest it, and thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. Don't bring abominations into your house, which is so easy today with all the technology, TV, internet. It just, it's just like a doorway of abominations into otherwise godly homes. Don't allow those abominations in. And, but you notice he also says in those verses, don't allow it into your house, but thou shalt utterly detest it and shalt utterly abhor it. So you need to not just remove it, but maintain a love for it. You need to hate it from your heart. It's one thing to remove things. It's another thing to detest them, to hate those things. You know, you think of Lot's wife. Removed from the evil of Sodom with Lot and their daughters, but Sodom stayed in her heart. She kept that in her heart. That can often happen in our homes. We can remove things physically, but they stay in our hearts. No, we've got to detest those things. And if you have trouble with that, ask God, give me a hatred for those things that, that thou hatest. Psalm 101 verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Set no wicked things before your eyes. You have a TV set, set no wicked things. Maybe put that verse on your computer, your, your smartphone, your TV, whatever it is. We need to replace evil with the good things. So, yes, remove the evil, but don't leave it just to leave a vacuum in your life or your home. Remove the evil, but bring in the good. Replace it with good things. You take out evil music, bring in godly music. Bring in the new song. Bring in psalms and hymns. There's, you're taking out um, evil literature, bring in the good literature, good books, the Word of God. Okay? You know the saying, Christ is the head of the house. The unseen guest at every meal, the silent listener to every conversation. And uh, that's how it should be in all our homes. And not really just unseen, not really um, silent, but really Christ should be seen in our homes. Not literally, obviously, but seen in, in, in our conversation, in, in uh, what we do in our homes. We need to maintain the family altar, that worship day by day, worship of God in the family putting God first. Make the house of God a priority, the church. We've talked a lot about the home, but what about the role of the church in the raising of children? You know, the, the, the church and the home should be working together uh, in to, to bring the children to a knowledge of God. And part of the church's responsibility is to bring these children to a saving knowledge of Christ, to equip them to overcome sin and Satan. And, you know, often, sadly, a lot of churches aren't doing that. They're not really training children up. If anything, they're just entertaining children. You know, Sunday schools are just almost like babysitting and a few f silly songs. And, you know, some of these songs are just plain silly. You know, there's one called, I'm in right, outright, upright, downright, happy all the time. You heard that one? What good is that to a child? Spiritual good. How's that going to help them be protected against Satan? And, you know, that's an old one. This, you know, the ones they're singing today are probably even worse. No, we need to be singing. If we're singing songs, we need to be singing songs that look to God. Look to God and tell them scriptural truth. Also, we need to think as parents about um, our attitude towards the church. Don't speak critically of the, the church or the preacher um, 
on the way home or over, over lunch. That's often what happens. And not to say the preacher isn't to be criticised, but when the children hear that, what does that do for their attitude? They lose respect. So, well, we'll go to church. We're not, we don't have to really pay attention to what's being said or preached. Undermines that authority. And then, of course, the children grow up to have no care for the church. We need to think about, think about how our attitude towards the house of God. And many more things, but so many duties. Boy, if we even take half of them, we've got our hands full. We've talked a lot about the devil. I'm not promoting him. I don't want to say he's greater than he is, but we must not fear Satan. We don't fear him. We're to fear God alone. That's who we fear. But we must be informed, we must be vigilant, and we must be prepared to resist him. Not be ignorant of his devices. Children are not exempt from his attacks. You know, don't think, oh, the devil starts attacking people when they turn 18 or even 12. He starts attacking them from the moment of conception, from birth, from all the way through. He's got his target on them. He will tempt, afflict, deceive, and everything else. Children, just as he does adults. To be ignorant or complacent about this is to surrender our families to Satan, to shrug our shoulders and say, we'll be okay. You know when the enemy comes in, the, the parable of the wheat and the tares is while men slept. The enemy came in, the tares came in. If we're sleeping, it's just like saying, come in, Satan. Don't sleep, be vigilant. And only by God's grace may we deliver the young souls entrusted to us from the attacks of Satan, the allurements of this world and the eternal flames of hell. And may God give us his grace to do that. Let's pray.